Well, good morning. So good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. To all of you here in Plymouth, to our regional campuses, so great to have you with us and anywhere around the world where you might be joining us online. And for those of you around the world, you need to know that we, this weekend in Michigan, are experiencing the one good day we'll get all year. <laughs> and you're here anyway. Wow, I'm impressed. You are awesome. I actually, I, I have a meeting after services this weekend, and um, so I, I went outside and walked around the building and greeted some of you coming in, and it was about meeting you, but it was about being out in the weather. It was, was absolutely awesome, but I am thrilled that you're here, and if you're a guest at Northridge this weekend, we trust that God would use this spiritual family to mark a moment in your life where God becomes even more real and more transformative in your journey. We're in a series called Jim. We, we're a church that's absolutely committed to God's truth and then communicating it here in the 21st century. And if James was writing this letter to us, personal brothers and sisters in Christ today, he wouldn't have said James, he would have said Jim. And so that's what this series is all about. And, and to get into this weekend's um, thought from Jim... I want to ask you a question, and I'm really curious about this. How, how many of you read manuals? I mean, when you get like a smartphone or a tablet or a computer or you get a car or, or you get something that you have to build, you know, you read the manuals before you use them. Raise your hand. Really? How many of the rest of you would say, no way? Yeah, seriously. Manuals? Are you kidding me? That's for engineers, you know. Uh, and I, I, have, I have to confess, I, I, uh, I don't read them. I don't. Uh, and I don't read them for two reasons, really. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and be transparent and honest. Um, the first one is a, a character flaw issue with me, why I don't read manuals. I, I'm a little bit of an egomaniac. I, I really... I think that I can figure it out on my own. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, I don't even understand the waves that transfer our voices through the air, but I'm going to figure out a smartphone or a tablet on my own. I, you know, I, I'm going to figure out a car on my own, right? And I, I'm going to figure out how to build something on my own. I have no maintenance abilities at all. It's just not true. But yet, in my brain, I think I can figure it out. And uh, many of you, obviously, are the same way because you raised your hand. I, I, uh, there's a second reason that I just don't like reading manuals, and it's because, well, I'm impatient, very impatient. And I, I don't buy something so I cannot use something until I spend time reading about the something I just bought. That's no way, man. I'm going to jump right in and use that sucker. That's just how I am. I want to get involved. But, but I've discovered that there are some big problems involved in not reading manuals. To which those of you who read manuals are going, duh! You know, it's like, yeah, I, I know, I've discovered it the hard way. You, you know, one of the things, when you don't read a manual, and I've learned this firsthand, you waste a ton of potential. Because the potential that exists in a smartphone or a tablet or a computer or a car, I mean, very often, I can't, I, I've had a car now for seven years, and I still can't figure out how to change the clock on the thing, you know? It's like, 
Talk about wasting potential. It, it has the ability to tell time. Who knew, right? And it's like, uh, I, I don't know how to work some of the radio. Th- how do you set one of those channels so you don't have to keep going through the tuner every time you do it? And I, I just don't know. How do you start a car? Or uh, it's, You waste so much potential when you don't read the manual. It, it's just a fact. I, I know there, there exists in my technology capacities that I've never gotten close to using. And so I, I don't read the manuals. I'm one of those guys that's like, you, you go ahead and read the book, I'll just go to the movie. <laughs> but, but you miss out on some things when you do that. And there's another huge problem with not reading manuals. You waste a ton of time. I mean, you waste a ton of time trying to figure things out that you could have learned about by just reading the manual for a second. It's just one of those deals. And not only do you waste a ton of time, but you make a bunch of needless mistakes. This is true when you don't read manuals. I, I, this is from years ago, and it's, I haven't learned my lesson. I've experienced it time and time again, and I still haven't learned to read manuals. But when, when we were expecting our first daughter, her name's Carissa, and this is like three decades plus ago, and, uh, you know, we, we bought a crib for Carissa. And I don't know why they don't put them together for you. I don't understand but they don't. And so we brought this box home and took out all the parts. And my wife knows my maintenance abilities quite well. And, and she says, make sure you follow the directions. <laughs> and I'm sure under my breath I said, okay. <laughs> but I don't, I don't read that junk, right? So I was like, I can figure. It's a, it's a crib, right? It's a crib. I know what they're supposed to be like. So I, I put that sucker together. And I only had a couple of parts left over. It wasn't a big deal. <laughs> Until I realized it didn't work. You know, the point of a crib is that it keeps a baby safe, right? And you're able to raise the side up so that it stays safe and the baby doesn't get out. And you can lower it so you don't break your back lifting the baby out. I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant device, except the way I built it. The thing wouldn't stay up. You know, I'd, I'd put it up and it'd just fall. I, I couldn't... <laughs> I had to, it, you wasted a lot of time and you make a ton of needless mistakes. I had to take that whole thing apart and then manage my wife's attitude as she read the directions to me, <laughs> putting it together, right? It's like, oh my gosh, if I had just read the directions ahead of time. And then there's one last problem that I've discovered. If you don't read the manual, it can actually prove to be not just inconvenient but harmful. It can prove to be destructive. Imagine if I had built that crib and, and there were things wrong and we had put our baby in it and something had happened. That would have just been crazy. I mean, I, I, I think back to the time. I mean, when we first had a, our first residence and, you know, I was responsible for taking care of the yard. And, uh, you know, it's weird. Who knew weeds grow in yards? Did you know that? And it's like, I found this stuff called Roundup. Have you ever used this stuff? Roundup, it's like kills weeds you don't have to pull them or anything you know i spray it on trees i don't want anything living in my yard and and uh so i i i use roundup right and and i have you ever noticed that they the crummy little sprayers they they leak all over your hand and so you know every time it leak on my hand i, I just lick it you know <laughs> i mean who knew it was poison right i didn't do that i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm not that stupid but here's the thing it can be destructive and harmful if you don't read the manual. It's just the way it is. And, and here's what we don't understand. The same is true in life. 
We're trying to live our lives without a full understanding of how we were made, why we were made, and, and principles for living. And, and this is why we're all blowing it so profoundly in our lives, because we're not following the manual. In fact, here, here's the good news uh, I have for you this weekend. Are you ready? God's given us a manual. Uh, he's given us a manual. A lot of people say, you know, they come to me when they get, they're having troubles in their marriage and said, man, if God had given me a manual. He has. A lot of people, you know, they bring in their broken kids and say, fix them. <laughs> and I say, I can't fix it on my own. You're on your own, pal. But, but God's given you a manual for parenting, and God's given you a manual for life. That's the good news. God's given us a manual, but that, the, that comes with bad news. The bad news is most of us don't read it. In fact, you guys that read the smartphone manual, you know, you, you, you eggheads that raised your hand earlier, yeah, I read the manual, yeah. And I read Encyclopedia Britannica still, too. Uh, Google, what's that? You know, I mean, I get it. You people who read the manuals for products, even you don't tend to read the Bible. God's manual. And as a result, we're experiencing all the same ramifications in our lives that we do with products when we don't read the manual. I mean, we, we, we waste a ton of time in life. I don't know about if you're like I am, but I bet you are, where you look back and you go, I wish I had started doing this earlier. I wish I had known this earlier. I wish I had done this earlier. I've wasted so much time in my life. We, we make a lot of needless mistakes. All of us have failed. The Bible says we've fallen short of, of God's glory. We've all blown it. Every single one of us has wasted a ton of potential in life. God's given us capacity to do so much and so many of us have left so much of that capacity untapped and unused. And, and the truth is, when you don't read God's manual, you experience harm. It's destructive. In fact, the Bible says the wages of our sin, uh, us not living by his guidebook, is death. And that's where we are. This is not a small issue. Oh, big deal if we don't use a manual for our smartphone. Who cares if we don't use all the potential of our smartphone? Who cares? doesn't matter. But in life, it does matter. And it's a big deal. And it's in this context that, that James writes to us. He, he started, if you haven't been with us in our series, I hope that you'll go to northridgechurch.com. We give the talks away for free so that you can catch up. But um, he, he started by saying, you know, life's filled with trouble, but... Trouble doesn't have to destroy you, you know. With God, you can overcome it. And he says, temptation is something we all experience, and, and it'll destroy us unless we face it right. But God always provides a way of escape, and he shared it with us. And then, and then he makes a move in his letter and says, and you would know these things if you read God's guidebook, if you read his manual. And so he turns our attention to God's word to the Bible. And, and here's the truth that I want you to see from, from Jim's letter to us. God's word is the only source for experiencing freedom and fulfillment in life. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for freedom. We're, we're looking for, for fulfillment. We're looking for life to, to be as full as we long for it to be. And, and it can be, but not if we don't follow God's word. It's the source. The, the Bible, God's, God's inspired scripture, is the manual 
for life that all of us need, but so few of us read. Jim says it this way in chapter 1, verse 25 of his letter. He says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to look into the perfect law that gives freedom, not forgetting what he's heard, but actually applying it, doing it, living it, that person will be blessed. That word blessed means fulfilled, satisfied, content in what he does. And so you see right there, Jim says, if you want freedom, you need to know you'll only find it through God's word. If you want fulfillment, you're only going to find it through God's word. And so here's... Here's kind of what Jim presses into our lives on, and it's so relevant here in the 21st century because we as human beings haven't changed in all the centuries since Jim lived. If we want to experience life as God designed it, life as we long for it to be, then, then we must pour ourselves into knowing God's word, but not just knowing it, knowing it's done enough, and to living God's word. We have to pour ourselves into knowing God's word and and living it. It's not enough to know the directions of how to build a crib. You have to actually follow the directions. And the same is true in this regard. Second Timothy, Paul, says the same thing. Look at chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in the right ways of living, righteousness. So that the The man of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have everything we need to know how to live, to love, to parent, to make good choices, to find God, to follow God, to know God, to experience his promise that we have everything we need. We can be thoroughly equipped for everything God has for us, but we have to follow his word. And that's where it gets tough, right? I just don't come naturally built to follow God's word. I've already said uh, my natural propensity is not to read the manual. I mean, I just think I can figure stuff out and I, I'm impatient and I want to jump right in and I want to get involved, but the problem is I blow it and so do you. And so we have, to, we have to change our very approach and this is what Jim's telling us. And the first thing he tells us, if we're going to genuinely know and live God's word, if we're, we're really going to experience life as God designed it, then then the very first thing we have to do is we must be ready. We have to be ready. We have to, to be prepared. We have to open ourselves to it. And, and when it comes this way with manuals for me. And obviously I have to study a lot and I have to do a lot of things that cause me to sit and have to invest energy you know, in studying. And so I have to prepare myself so that I'm, I'm capable, so that I... I put in the time that's necessary to understand life as it's supposed to be. And so the same is true when we go to God's word. We must be ready. Look at how James says it in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 21. He says, my dear brothers, he's talking to those of us who have a relationship with Jesus. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And that's a principle that can apply to so much of life on its own. But he's using it as a way to be prepared to really understand God's truth. And he says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and and the evil that's so prevalent, you know, all the darkness that clouds our view of the world and our understanding of life and our reactions to what happens to us and get rid of all that and, and instead humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Humbly accept God's truth. Stop trying to do it your way. 
and start doing it God's way. And it can save you from all the problems that occur with not following his book. And, and what's he tell us here? He, he gives us some sense, simple principles, very simple, for being ready. They're simple, but they're antithetical to who we are. If we're going to be truly ready to hear from God, to, to know and live his truth, to experience life as he designed it, this is what Jim tells us. We have to approach it with open ears. Did you see what he said? Quick to listen, quick to listen, open ears. And then he says, if you're going to really be ready, then you have to approach it with a closed mouth. He says, slow to speak. Now, I have to tell you, I'm the opposite. I am absolutely quick to speak and slow to listen. Anybody else like this? <laughs> Any other males like this? You know, I'm, this is who I am, man. I'm just like... I don't care what you're saying, but what I'm saying is pretty cool. You know, that's kind of, it's crazy. There's a problem with us. And if we're going to be ready to hear from God, then we have to open our ears. And I have to tell you, I've sat in a lot of settings like this where someone's teaching God's word, and I'm not listening. Especially when they start drilling into areas where I'm not doing well in or they're starting to you know hit on some tension points in my life I don't do very so I I kind of close myself off do you ever do that and, and you know we're close our mouth and just start listening it's a big deal and then he says if we're really going to be ready to to experience God's word to know it and live it then we need to approach it with the right spirit with the right spirit and Jim hits on two really big issues. The first one is he says you have to be slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. And he goes, what? You may go, what does that have to do with you know, getting to the word? Well, here's the thing. Uh, most of us are filled with just a bit of anger, resentment in our lives, right? Because haven't we all been disappointed? Haven't we all been hurt? Haven't we all been betrayed? And, and you know, when, when we're experiencing this kind of anger and resentment in our life, it goes, yes, towards other people, but it often goes towards God because, see, God's the one that's ultimately responsible. Didn't he let us experience this? Didn't he, you know, fail to protect us in this? Don't, don't we have these issues going on? And, and the truth is, when, when you're filled with a little bit of anger and resentment towards someone and they speak, are you listening? No. You know what you tend to do? I know I do, you tend to get defensive. Well, if you hadn't done this, and if you hadn't done this, if this wasn't going on, if that wasn't going on, then I wouldn't have done this, and I don't even think that's right in the first place. So don't we, don't we start defending ourselves when we feel like we've been cheated and betrayed? And this is how many of us approach God's word. You see, we, we don't listen to what it says with open ears and closed mouth. We, we process it through the lens of you know, our hurts and all the stuff that's going on, and so we get defensive. Well, God, you could have changed this, and you could have protected us from this, and we're not hearing at all. And so Jim says, if you're really going to experience the power of God's word, then open ears, yes, closed mouth, yes, and right spirit. You can't be defensive. And then, and then he says, you have to humbly accept the word. In verse 21, you have to humbly accept it. You know, you know what humility does? Humility understands that it needs to learn. Humility understands that um, it, you need wisdom from without, that you need guidance, that you need others in your life. But but pride rejects it. And remember what I said at the beginning. I, I think I can figure it out on my own. You know, don't give me advice about marriage. I think I can figure that out. And I, don't give me advice about how to live. I think I can figure it out. Don't give me advice about parenting. You know, I think I can figure it out on my own. Don't get, uh, until I don't. And then I'm in trouble. 
Well, well, we have to come to God's word if we're going to be ready, humbly, with the right spirit. Knowing we need his wisdom. Knowing we need his help. Knowing we need his guidance. And I don't know about you, but very often I'm, I'm opening the Bible because I'm supposed to open the Bible. I'm not opening the Bible because I desperately need to hear God speak. I come to church because I'm supposed to come to church, but I'm not coming because I desperately need to hear God speak. This is why we don't hear God speak. Because we're not ready for it. We don't come with the right spirit. And then finally, Jim tells us that we, we, we desperately need to come with a pure heart. With a pure heart. He, he says it this way. I think you saw me read it. Get rid of all your moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent. And I, I really thought about this a, a while. And I realized, you know, it's, it's actually the issues I have in my heart that form the way I hear or don't hear. Have you ever had a fight with someone? I mean, a, a knockdown, drag out, and then later you realize that you were the wrong one? Have, have you? Are you breathing? Okay, you, you have. Okay. You know what I realized? The reason I have those fights and I, you know, act like I'm right, but I'm ultimately wrong, it's, it's because I'm interpreting everything being said through the junk already in my life, right? And that's why he says, if you're really going to benefit from God's word, you've got you've to come with a pure heart. And this is why we need Jesus so desperately, because only Jesus can clean up the mess that we've made. That's why he died and rose again, so that our sins could be forgiven, we could be given new life, right? So, so it's more than just reading God's word or hearing God's word. We have to be ready for it, are, are you? You see? And then Jim tells us, and it's really quiet in here right now. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's really quiet. And I, I'm just telling you what Jim said. Don't get ticked at me. I mean, seriously. It's like, this is real stuff, and it's very personal. He, he, he says, if we're going to really know and live God's word and experience life as God designed it, we have to be receptive to it. We must be receptive. I, I'll reread this in James 1.21. He said, Accept the word, receive it, and it can save you. And so, uh, as I thought about this, I realized we have to be receptive to hearing it, which means we have to let it speak. I love the song that was sung before I came up here, Word of God Speak. I mean, it's just, it's just melts my heart. Word of God Speak, Word of God Speak. But we have to be receptive to let it speak. You know what I find a lot in my life? I find a lot in my life I really don't want to hear God speak because I know what he's going to say. It's kind of like my wife, right? <laughs> and, and she's often, what I meant by that is she's often right. And so I don't want to hear it. In fact, I even say, I don't want to hear it right now. I just, <laughs> serious business. I know. And it's that way with God. And so we have to be receptive to hearing God speak. We have to be open to it. We have to put ourselves in a place where we'll be exposed to it. And what I find is very often I'm putting myself in a place where I won't have to hear it. Is that you at times? And so we should try to expose ourselves to it as much as possible. That's why you're here, I hope, this weekend. And I hope you're open and, and listening and, and that God can move in your life. But, 
but we have to expose ourselves to it. In fact, everything we do here is about giving you an opportunity to be challenged with God's word and move forward with God's word. I mean, that's everything we're about. In fact, on May 11th, coming up this coming next month, is our next New Life service. And a ton of you have never been to a New Life. And this isn't a judgment. It's no big deal. But it's like we, we do our New Life service once a month in the midweek so that we can experience worship and God's voice and God's word and in very new and challenging ways. And, and we do it so that you might, you know, be able to grow in it. And I just really want to encourage you. Maybe you could check it out. At all of our regional campus, we're, we're having a huge unified New Life service here in Plymouth. And I want to encourage all of you at our regionals to come out because someone from every regional is going to be on our platform and it's going to be the one church that meets in four locations meeting in one location is going to be awesome on May 11th. But you know, it's not enough just to, to hear someone else share God's word. We have to open it ourselves. You know, I told you I don't read the manuals on the smartphones, and, and I, you know what I do is I, I, I have an iPhone, and so I go to the Genius Bar. I figure they read the manuals, and they can show me what to do. The only problem is I have to know I'm having a problem or know the questions to ask before it becomes a good thing, and so I, I really should be in the manual. I say the same thing biblically speaking. We should all be opening it ourselves. We have to be receptive, and we have to not just be receptive to hearing. We have to be receptive to accepting it to actually embracing it, to applying it to our life. Accept the word of God that's been planted in you, Jim says. And then he says, it's not enough just to be ready and receptive. If you're really going to know and live God's word and experience its power in your life, you have to be responsive. You must be responsive. Look at how he says it. This is a powerful passage, verses 22 and 24 of chapter 1. Don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves as if that's all you need to do. Do what it says. And then he gives us the picture of what he's saying. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like the guy who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. He's saying if when you go to, the, to God's word and then you don't do it, it's like the guy who goes to the mirror and sees all the problems and does nothing to fix it. Ooh, right? I mean, we've all seen these people, right? We, we live in a world of mirrors. It's impossible not to see them. Yeah, you drive a car, you got a rear view mirror, you got to see yourself. And it's amazing to me when I see some of these people in public knowing that they've seen a mirror. It's like either you just don't care or you think that looks good. Either way, you need medicine, right? I mean, seriously. It's crazy. It's like when you look in a mirror you, and you see everything going wrong, you know, especially like, you know, those of you who like wake up, you drool at night and, you know, you wake up with pink eye and, you know, maybe you have a sinus infection. Look it. When you look in the mirror, you need to correct that crap <laughs> so we don't have to look at it it's just kind of relationship 101 kind of an issue you know no one's ever kissed me no kidding you know that kind of deal and it's just as dumb to go to the bible and not to make the adjustments is what jim is saying in fact he's saying you have to be responsive you, okay let's use that mirror thing with the bible when, when, when we open God's word, we're supposed to practice examination. 
Isn't that what you do when you go to a mirror? You examine yourself, right? You're supposed to. I mean, you're not supposed to just go, awesome. I mean, that's not, not always. And so you're supposed to do some examination. Then, when you see what's wrong, you're supposed to practice correction. Fix it. So maybe my wife and I have been married almost 37 years. It'll be 37 years in June. And yeah, that's awesome. I'm, that she stayed with me so long is a miracle. But we've seen each other at our worst. You know, it's like at our worst. You wake up in the morning, it's not pretty. <laughs> so we have these huge mirrors in our bathroom because we, we need every ounce of the mirror, right? And we go and examine Thank God, correct. And then you know what happens? We come out and we experience transformation. It's an amazing thing, seriously. What can happen when you see yourself in a mirror, you make corrections, you come out looking totally different. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a little bit jealous. You women really have it good. Seriously, you get to paint a brand new face. (laughs) It's an amazing thing. You go to the mirror, you see what God gave you, You correct it with something man-made, and you come out looking like awesome. I mean, serious. Talk about a transformation. You're not even the same person. You know, that kind of thing. I hope I'm not getting too personal or anything like that. I said I was jealous, right? I mean, it'd be awesome if I could do that. But here's the thing. Examination and correction leads to transformation, and that's exactly what Jim is telling us here. Now, listen, this is really important. When we go to the Bible, it's supposed to help us to see ourselves as we are, help us to make the corrections we need to make so that we come out different than we were before we went in. And you know what's really sad? Very often we come to church and we hear God's word taught and we go out the same as we were when we came in. We open the Bible and we hear what God is saying and we close it being exactly the same as we were before we opened it. And that's not, that's like going to the mirror and not making any corrections. You know, God didn't want you to come to church so that you could go rate my talk. You know, over lunch, I think that was a seven. You know, (laughs) who gives a flip? Really? I don't care. You think I'm competing for an Olympic gold medal in preaching or something? I don't care. You know what? I'd I'd rather you think I'm a one, but the truth I communicated so poorly changes your life forever. But... I mean, that's the key. If you think I'm a 10 and your life never changes, what a waste of time we've got going on here. And that's what he's saying. And then Jim tells us how our life should transform. Look at James 1, verses 26 and 27. You should come out different. He says, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look at orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, at first brush, it's easy to go, whoa, he just changed subjects. But he didn't at all. He's saying, look it. When you go to God's word, you're supposed to see yourself, correct yourself, and come out transformed. Let me give you an example. You should come out different. That's what he's saying here. The the word translated religion here would be better understood as worship. That's a better word. Here at Northridge, we often say it's 
It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with God. And this word really has the concept more of worship because it has to do with how we outwardly express the reality of the inner relationship we have with God, what God's doing on the inside. And that's what Jim's talking about here. He, here's the idea. The greatest expression of our relationship with God is found in generously and sacrificially serving others. The, the greatest form of worship, the greatest expression of our religion, quote-unquote, is, is to serve those who need it the most, is what Jim's saying. Who are they? You know, the orphans and widows. What's that represent? The poor, the forgotten, the forsaken, the lonely. If we're really being transformed, we'll be showing that kind of service, not serving ourselves, but serving others. But can we be honest? That doesn't come naturally to us. But it does come naturally to Jesus Christ. So when we pour ourselves into both knowing and living his word, when we keep ourselves ready and receptive and responsive to his word, do you know what happens? It transforms us. Now listen, this is really important. When God's word is truly being processed into our lives, we become less like ourselves and more like Jesus. Is that happening in your life these days? What good is this that we're doing right now if we're not coming out looking less like ourselves and more like Jesus? But we need to be transformed. And in this passage, Jim makes it clear that religion back then is no different than religion today. By nature, we try to take the easiest, most comfortable way in life, right? So we attempt to make our religious activity, you know, going to church, singing the songs and all that different stuff, a replacement for compassionate sacrifice and service. This is why so many churches have turned inward rather than outward. It's easier to live faith inside the holy huddle of a spiritual community than it is to live faith out in the real world, isn't it? But it's not about what's easy. I love what one writer said, what is heard in the holy place must be lived in the marketplace. Ho. And so remember what we're looking at. If we want to experience life as God designed it, we have to pour ourselves into knowing and living God's word. We have to, we have to be ready and receptive and responsive. But then Jim jumps again and he says, and by the way, we have to be resolute. We have to be resolute. Look at James 1.25. It says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, that's the operative phrase, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed. That word blessed means fulfilled, satisfied. As I said earlier, he'll be blessed in what he does. But you have to keep doing it. You know, Galatians 6.9, Paul says the same thing. Don't grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. You have to stick at it. There are people who go, yeah, I've been reading the Bible for three days, and you know, God's not showing up. Three days. How about three decades? How about four decades? You might regret spiritual commitment in a month or two months. You will never regret it in two or three decades. And I know this because I've had real hard moments in my spiritual journey. Moments that I just regretted big time. But 
looking back on them, and this is what Jim was telling us about in the beginning of chapter one, looking at trouble afterwards, looking at temptation afterwards, realizing God has built me into something I would have never become without him. I'm so thankful I went through those seasons. You've got to be resolute. Don't follow Jesus for a sprint. Follow Jesus for the marathon of your life. And, and finally, James 1, 19 and 21 again says, and this is the operative phrase, my dear brothers, my dear brothers. Get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you, my dear brothers. It's interesting. In the Bible, they, they call each other brother and sister. You know why, right? Because when, when, when they trust Jesus Christ, they know they become children of God. And if, if they become children of God, that means that all the children of God are brothers and sisters of each other, right? So that makes sense. You're part of the family of God. And, and here's what you need to know. It's important to be ready, to be receptive, to be responsive, and to be resolute. It's very important if we're going to really experience God's word. But none of that matters if we're not in relationship with God. None of it matters. We have to be in relationship with him. That's why it says, my dear brothers, get rid of all this moral junk in your life, immoral junk. And that's how you become a brother and sister in Christ. That's how you experience God as your father. You know that, right? God, you were created to be a child of God. And in that sense, all of us are children of God. We were created. But, but all of us walked out on God for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. All of us lost the privilege of, of that relationship. But Jesus came... And he lived the life where he was in perfect relationship with the Father and then he died on the cross because the wages of our sin was death and then he rose again to give us new life. And you know in him, in him, we can be the children of God again. Look at John 1.12. It says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And you know, as any good father, God has given us instructions for life. Many of us don't know those instructions and don't understand those instructions because we don't know him as father, but when we do, it can change us forever. And so just before I end this talk, I'm, I, I want to pray with you. And so I'm going to invite you, if you would, just for a moment, if you would bow with me in a, in a word of prayer. And if you're already a Christ follower, you know you're a Christ follower, there's a, there's a chance that if you're like me, you've had some disruptions in your relationship with following Jesus. And I, I want to challenge you to let this advice from Jim to reshape you. And I, I'm going to encourage you to pray with me to be renewing your commitment to following Jesus, to getting into his word, to walking as a child of God. And for those of you who might be here and you've never been a child of God, you've never experienced Jesus forgiving you, why don't you pray with me right now and and receive them for the first time. Just take my words in this prayer and make them yours in quietly expressing it to God. Just say, Jesus, I, I need you. I, I have lived life my own way. I've sinned against you and I'm, I need to be forgiven. And by faith, I know you died on the cross to forgive my sins and so I'm asking you to forgive me and by faith I know you rose again and I'm asking for you to give me new life in this moment. Help me to live by your word and 
walk with you. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, I really want to encourage you, please, please let, let us know, let me know. This is, it's such an encouragement to know when God's using us to help someone take a step in their relationship with God. And more importantly, we put together a letter about next steps that you could take in your journey with God, but we need to know you prayed with me. And so if you're in one of our services, either here in Plymouth or at one of our regional campuses, if you would take out the program you were given and rip out the connection card in there, it's so easy, just fill it out. And on the bottom, there are two statements that you can let us know about. The first is that you prayed with me for the first time to receive Jesus in your life. And if that's you, check that first one. And it doesn't mean you never went to church before, you've never said a prayer before, you didn't take catechism or first communion. It means you know for a fact that you just for the first time opened your insides up to Jesus forgiving you. And if that's what you did, check that first box. If you are already a believer, but you prayed with me to renew your commitment, then check that second one. And then just throw it in a box as you leave the auditorium at every exit is a box at all of our campuses. And, and uh, for those of you watching online, there's a what next button on your tablet or computer. Just hit that and we'll send you the same information. Here's the thing. God's given us a manual for life, but most of us haven't read it. And so most of us are wasting so much potential in life, we're wasting so much time, we're making so many needless mistakes, and quite frankly, we're experiencing a lot of destruction that comes with bad choices. But because of Jesus, our failures don't have to be final. And you know, because of his word, we don't have to keep making the same mistake. Why don't we turn to it and be ready, receptive, responsive, and resolute so that we can walk hand in hand with Jesus in this life, and if that's how we live, we won't regret it. So glad you're here. Thank you. See you next time.